0: Welcome, everybody, to Recording in progress. Parashat Toldot. Uh, it's actually one of my favorite parshiot. I s- spent a lot of time, um, there's a lot of beautiful things that happen in the perasha. Um Today, I want to focus on one thing specifically, but as we sort of make a perusal through the parasha, I also want to show you how living Torah is something that's going to totally uh, give us a ton of strength to get through these times so i'm going to start this time with Tehillim 20 because i feel like it encapsulates um, what the parasha is saying let's hope that our prayers will reach the highest of heavens and we will merit to see the uh, magnificent outcome that's spoken of here lamnazeach mizmor leDavid. david ינחה אדוני ביום סרה ישגבך השם אלהי יעקב ישלח אזראך מקודש ומציון ישעדך ישקור קול מנחתך ואורתך ידש ינשנה סבא יתהן לך ירובהך וקו הצדקה ימרן אל ננבי בשם אלהינו נדגו ימלא אדוני קומש אבותיך Atayadati, kihoshia, Adonai Yaneu, משיחו Ele Ele Basusim, Beshem, Elohenu, Hema, Karu Venafalu, ואנחנו Venit Odad, Adonai Hamelech Yanenu, ביום I chose this uh, particular מזמור <coughs> because after looking at this week's parasha, I have a new attitude. I think the Torah is beckoning us, beckoning us to have this attitude. It is the month of Kislev. It is the month where the few are able to be victorious against the many. It is the month, I'm sure you've heard, where lightness, which is the war... We're fighting lightness over darkness. Lightness will prevail. It is the holiday where we're going to sing Al Hanisim veAl HaPulkan veAl Ve' veAl Teshuot. We're going to be saying this this month, and we're going to mean it with a whole new kavana. And when we say things like Yehudim Hayta Ora VeSimcha. I believe there is a component here. It's not just to say, and this is the happy ending, and the Jews had happiness and gladness. It's a part prayer that when we see the redemption, when every single hostage is home with their families and safe, that they come back whole, and they have not just aura, not only are they gonna see the light of the day, but they're gonna have the simcha. They're going to be able to experience this joy. I have a vision in my mind, the Magen David Adom is there to see if they have any uh, physical ailments that need tending to, and I'm sure there's gonna be a team of uh, um, mental health professionals there to help them from their trauma. And then God comes in the perashan, He's gonna show us another way and he's going to tell us that there does exist the possibility for a redemption that is whole, not just a physical return of traumatized people, but a full return of this idea that we they went from darkness to light and they came out with sason and with simcha, and I'm going to show you how the Shah is really beckoning us and giving us this license or urging us to say, we, the ones who are on the outside, the ones who are on the periphery of all of this, we also have this choice and this is what's going to dictate the outcome. I'll show it to you through the words of the Shah. First and foremost, just so we have an idea, it starts with Ve'ele Toldot Yitzchak ben Avraham, Avraham Holidet Yitzchak. This parasha of Toldot, of generations, of genealogy, of moving forward, is going to start with this idea of first going backwards, remembering exactly Avraham. Remember this because this is going to come into play. Last week I said, We're not going to go backwards, chayyeh sara. Avraham had to leave Kota, he had to limit his crying, he had to move forward, he had to look to the future, he had to find a wife for Yitzchak. If he would have stayed in the past, like I had quoted Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who said that the survivors have to first build a future before they could look back at the trauma. Because if they stay stuck in the trauma, they will become paralyzed and it will be impossible to move forward. And then this week it tells us this is the story of Yitzchak, the one whose father looked to the future to marry him. And what how does it describe his genealogy? It takes us back to Avraham. And this is not so we could be stuck in the past. This is because it's here to tell us today that this attitude or these promises that were made to Avraham are continuing through Yitzchak and I'll be a little bit more specific as we move forward, but we reading this today, we have to say promises were made to Abraham, they were continued through Yitzchak and continued through Yaakov. And along the way, these promises have been perpetually fulfilled. And as we read this today and we say, hey, I am a beneficiary i am an heir i belong to Avraham Yitzchak and Yaakov these blessings and these promises belong to me too and when they pray the next few verses are just absolutely magnificent Yitzchak is 40 when he marries Rivka and he's 60 at this point where he's praying for a child And the word for praying is vaye etad. I love that word. An etad is a pitchfork. It it means that whatever was destined or designed in the heavens, the way a pitchfork could take the wheat and toss it up and totally overturn it, that's what prayer can and will do. And he prays with his wife, Rivka. And she has these two sons that are... Uh, agitated or moving tremendously within her kirba and what she asks is either she has an existentialist question about herself who am I what is my role in all of this confusion and for me this I hang on to these words every single day vatelech lidrosh et Hashem she has a direct line to the Yudke Vavke, to the God of the Rechem, to the God of the womb, to the God who enabled her to become pregnant. She was Ki Akarahi. She was destined and designed to be childless. Now she has these children within her womb. And she feels that she has the right to directly access God. And I think that for us is so empowering. She doesn't go to her husband. She doesn't go, it says in the Midrashim, maybe that she went to the Yeshiva of Shem Evan. but I love the Peshat that says clearly, she went and she didn't just, she went Lidrosh. She sought him out. She said, wait a minute, I also have access. And that's not the best part. The best part is the next verse where God answers her. So this idea of a direct channel to God to speak to him, to beseech him, to ask of him, it's its right here for every one of us. And Hashem tells her the famous you have two goyim bebitnech. There are two different nations inside of you. There are two le'umim, two nationalities that are going to come out and separate. You are going to have, excuse my language, but warring or conflicting brothers. If ever there were three words that we need to hang on today, it's these three words. It doesn't just mean that one nation is going to be stronger than the other nation. It means that one nation's going to be strengthened by the other nation. I don't know how and I don't know when, but I will tell you this our nation will be strengthened by the other nations. They can do whatever they want. <speaking in Hebrew> They could go on their horses, and they could shoot their rockets, and they could do all their crazy things. But we, from that, we will become even stronger. Verav ya'avod sa'ir, either the many, the one whose population is in the millions and beyond counting of how many of them there are the ones that we think are so hard to defeat because there are so many of them that rav yaavod sair that many plentiful people they will ultimately come and serve the younger one there's also another way to read it to be honest it could be rav and much yaavod sair the young one's gonna have to work rav is gonna have to work hard and God sees us and He knows that we are hard at work and that we are becoming strengthened and we are becoming united and we are becoming so strong in our resolve that this promise of God to is being fulfilled. And I just want to read a few words because I hope that we get to see these come to fulfillment. I, I believe now with all of my heart that this is the truth. When Esav says in verse 32, Good luck to you Esav, because you have a death wish because you believe in your death, whereas we believe in our life, whereas we believe that the godliness that God gave us is so precious. But Esav says, He is prepared to die. And in the next chapter, where does Yitzchak end up? He ends up in Gerar. And you know what God says about this land, Gerar? He says, "Gur ba'aret hazot, live in this land. I will be with you. I will bless you. Your children, eten et kol har- arzot ha-el. and I will." And this is where I started. I will uphold the promise, "Asher nishpati le'Avraham Avicha." Let's talk about this for a minute. Gerard on the map is Gaza. Make no mistake about it. I know a lot of people think that God gave us all the land, but he didn't give us that land. Well, here he's saying, if you need the location for it, it's Pedic 26, verse 3. I'm giving you these lands. And everybody, and this is also so important, When I give you these lands, maybe now I understand these words with clarity. When the Jewish people take hold of these lands and uproot the evil that is there, when we live and work the land, as you will see in the next few verses is going to happen, then the entire world will be blessed by this. We're not just uprooting evil in this locale. It will be that the uh, um, ramifications of keeping the land and doing what? Look what he says to do with it. He says, first of all, I'm giving you this land because I made a promise to Abraham and because he kept my mitzvot and my chukim and my Torah. So let's be also clear about this. When is it that we will be able to have control of the land, of all of the land, is when we are actually the beneficiaries because we're upholding the heritage of Abraham, which is the mitzvot, the chukim, and the Torah. And it happens that Yitzchak stays in Gerar, and we have the whole story where Abimelech almost had taken her, but didn't, because luckily God came to him and warned him otherwise. But here's the beautiful verse, and I want you to see it. It's verse 12. Sound familiar? Anybody thinking about all the beautiful greenhouses and everything that was built? So he plants. Vayim Tzaba Shanahi and in one year he gets me'a se'orim, he gets one hundred fold. Whatever anybody else was able to produce on that land, when the Jewish people come on that land, we take it and we multiply it by a hundred times. And this is, this is the story, this is our story, this is what we are living to the, in today but of course in the next verse what do we see that all the be'erot that Abraham had dug what did the pillage team do this is we're seeing this ourselves if you see any of the videos if you see what they did with gush katif they took everything that was magnificent they took the shul and they turned it into a chicken coop they took the greenhouses and they turned it into a garbage dump. What did they do? Satmum. They took that which produced water, which produced life, which produced sustenance, which produced purity and they covered all of that up. And finally, I I just feel that this is so important for us. In this week's parasha. what does Yitzchak and his team do, they go and they dig new wells. And they find more water. They call the name Be'er Mayim Chaim. In digging, in going and seeing and recognizing that underneath the surface, on the surface of things, things may look bad and things may look dire. But if you just look beneath the surface, no that there is Chaim, that there is Mayim Chaim, and our belief is that our hostages are still Chaim. They may be under the surface and we may not see that, but we must believe that they are Chaim and that they will come up. And this is part of what's uh, uh, right here written for us, is these are sort of promises, but where I really wanna spend my, uh, most of my time, and I'll just say this also in this Pedasha, if you need any sense of uh, um, encouragement, if you need a sense of support, if you need a reminder, who comes and tells? I'm in chapter 26, Pedic 26, verse 28, Vayomru, the People of Girar Avimelech, they come and they say, Ra'inu ki Hashem imach. We see that God is with you. The whole world sees this. We have to make sure that we see it and we feel it ourselves. And so I'd like to spend most of my time today talking about the Berachot, that were given to Yaakov. And the Berachot I'd like to acknowledge for the obvious reasons. And the obvious reasons are we want to tap into these blessings. We can't read these just as a drama of Yaakov took blessings that really didn't belong to him and he came in a disguise and we're so enthralled by the drama of it and by the intrigue of it that maybe we're not focusing on the literal outcome and the promise of it. And I should start by saying this, yes, for those of you who are concerned that the Beracha, the first one, was ilga'in. I'll say this, there are three Berachot, at the least, that Yaakov is going to get in very close succession. And if the first one was, in your mind, El Ga'en, we're going to read it, we're going to talk about it, we're going to see which Beracha that is. And then I also want to focus on the second two Berachot. And what I mean by that is, I think the best thing that we could do, for starters, is we can actually um, look at the first Beracha. And then I will be a happy camper, I've been singing this from the rooftops and maybe those of you who haven't yet come on board with me maybe now I'll finally be able to convince you and what do I mean by that so Yitzhak decides he's gonna bless Esav Rivka overhears it she tells her son Yaakov, daddy is in the blessing giving mode. And I want you now to go and get a blessing. And she says, Rivka tells Yaakov, Hine shamati, I heard your father speaking to Esava to your brother, saying, Bring me tzayed, make me mat amim, bring me food and make me um, delicacies. So that I can eat and I can bless you, lifne Hashem, lifne moti. So I could bless you before Hashem. Please, if you have your own chumashim, which I've been begging you to do, circle the name of Vavke there. because it sounds to Rivka if I wanted to defend her if she hired me as her team of lawyers, I would say, well, Rivka thought that the blessing that Yitzchak was gonna give. Was the Yudke Vavke blessing, which was the Abrahamic blessing, which Sarah had told Abraham, No way Jose is Yishmael getting the blessing. And now Rivka is standing in for Sarah and saying, No way Jose is Esau getting that blessing. So it's not such a crazy story. But if we continue, she says, Ata shema I love these words because when Rivka says, shema She's the first woman that has a recorded statement speaking to her son. We don't have mothers speaking to children, believe it or not, until here. The wife would tell the husband, the husband would tell the child, but here Rivka is introducing for us something. Whereas Sarah was able to say, get rid of this God, and she's able to assert herself with her husband, and God uh, uh, confirms what she says. We all love that, Whatever Sarah says, listen to her. That's my, it's <laughs> a fan favorite, I think. But here, we're taking it one step further. She's now affecting the next generation, and she's telling Yaakov, and she doesn't say this once, this shema Bekoli, these words, listen to my voice. She says this three times, shema Bekoli. And she's allowed to assert herself. If she's gonna be a person who's gonna go lidroshet Hashem, who's gonna go speak to God, and if God's gonna respond to her, then she recognizes that she has a huge responsibility. And she says, okay, let's go to the son, bring me two g'daye izim, and there's a lot written about what transpires here, whether she intended for Yaakov to also get a blessing. She never says take your brother's blessing. She figures it's giving out blessing season. Get in line. Daddy's doling them out. You go get yours. That could be, um, if you wanted to read the Pesukim, that she writes a beautiful piece on this, He's a lawyer by trade, so he takes both sides and argues that you can't really say that If Kat told her son to take Esav's blessing. He was just telling her to go get a blessing. But regardless, she says, again, take these foods and go to your father, and then it's possibly Yaakov who says, but daddy's gonna realize that Esav is hairy and I am smooth. It's he, Yaakov, who's thinking to himself that he's taking the Beracha of his brother, not as well as his brother. Regardless, for our purposes today, I want to focus on the blessing that he receives while his father thinks he's a Sab. I want to make no mistake about it. So they have this whole exchange where. Yeah, Yitzchak is not sure, and maybe before I even do that, I, I cheated you, I, I missed one piece to tell you, at the end of chapter 26, at the end of Pedeck 26, those last two pesukim, after we finish the Avimelech Gerar Be'er Sheva story, we have two verses. And they say that Esav was 40 years old, and he marries Yehudit, the daughter of Be'eri hachiti. And also Basmat bat Elon hachiti. So he's marrying from Bnei Chet. He's marrying from the Canaanite women. And these women, the Torah doesn't hold anything back. They, it says, V'tiyena morot ruach Both Yitzchak and Rivka are very aggrieved by this. They're very tormented by the fact that their son, Esav, would marry from Benot Kena'an. For us, again, if you hired me, I would say that these Pesukim are inserted immediately before the Beracha, the one where Yaakov is going to take the beracha dressed as Esav, because maybe it's this particular incident that shows or that prompts Rivka to say, lo yerash. this one is not going to inherit, rather Yaakov needs to inherit. What's interesting about these two brothers, and we've had the story of succession in the past, we've had Cain and Hevel, We've had um Abraham, I'm sorry, we've had Yitzhak and Yishmael. We've had this idea where there are two sons and one son gets pushed aside for the other son. In the case of Yitzhak and Yishmael, they have different mothers. In the case of Ya'akov and Esav. It's the wives of Esav that are going to disqualify him. I believe that this is here to tell us this is a disqualification of Esav to be able to carry the Abrahamic blessing. Now, I use that word uh, too loosely, so I want to be clear. I want to be very uh, um, precise in how we see and read the blessings that Yaakov gets. So the first blessing, and of course you have a lot of beautiful things here today. If you wanna reference yesterday's rally, which was a magnificent show and a magnificent display. And I'm so proud to be a Jew and I'm so proud of the way we comported ourselves and how there wasn't a single piece of garbage left on the plaza when we left, and how we peacefully waved flags, how we sang songs, how we celebrated life. If ever there was a time I, when the, the, the vision of all of those, this literally, I'm gonna call it a sea of Jews, it just reminded me of the Yetziat Mitzrayim, of the seas parted, and the ketanim and the gedolim, the old and the young and the women and the men were all together and they were singing Az Yashir Moshe. This, this, uh, I, I don't want to take this lightly because I believe that what takes place here on earth is mirrored in heaven. And if we're going to mirror here on earth that we are reenacting Yetziyat Mitzrayim, that we are singing our way, and how are we singing? And when are we singing? When the Mitzrayim are at our backs, when the missiles are pointed to us, when the chariots are chasing after us. If we could sing through the sea, where who knows what's gonna happen in the next second, let alone the next minute, if we could sing, in the parting of the seas if we could sing yesterday as a unified loving community what do you think is going on in the heavens what do you think hashem is preparing he's only mirroring us we are only the beginning we are only the first opening of that seas. I expected the seas to part there and then on every continent because this is God showing us you can do it and he's showing us I can do it. I've done it before and I'll do it again and this is where this pasuk to me rang like music. Hakol Kol Yaakov. You want a rally of Yaakov? You're gonna hear Omer Adam singing. You're gonna hear Mizmorim being sung. You're gonna hear Tefilot. You're gonna hear our, us raise our voices. The Yadayim, we're gonna leave that for Esav. We're gonna leave the part where we raise our hands and hold up swords. That's what's gonna be his blessing for Esav in a minute. So you'll see that. But this hakol kol Yaakov, you know what comes with this? When we are the continual voice of Yaakov, when we are the continuation of Yaakov's voice, then this is the blessing that's going to come to us. So this first blessing, I want to be very clear, and maybe I'm giving away my punchline, but we're all friends here, so may as well. I want you to notice, please, please, the name of God that's used in this first blessing. And just so I kill my own punchline, as we read through the three blessings, I want you to notice the three different names of God in each blessing. So let's do this first. The first blessing that Yaakov is going to receive when his father Yitzchak smells him and it smells and he smells like a Sadeh Asher Bercho Et Hashem. He, he is able to, uh, what's the word? Uh, um, not perceive, he is able to to get or to receive this fragrance as if it's a fragrance of the Sadeh. We know what the Sadeh is. The Sadeh is that place where we commune with God. It's the place where we put in our effort like Yitzchak came from La Basadeh. He's sensing and maybe I'll say it a different way. He's sensing a continuum of his own spiritual self. And here he says the blessing. Elohim, notice that name for God. Let's make no mistake about it. The blessing that Yaakov receives when he's dressed in the clothes of Esav, is only a mortal blessing. It's a universal blessing, it's a worldly blessing, it's a blessing that gives from the dew of the sky and the fat of the land, and it gives of rov, dagan, vetirosh, uh, and it gives of uh, grain and wine. Guess what? If you're the one who's blessed with the grain and the wine and the dew and the fat, well, yes, of course. Then all of the other nations are going to come and serve you, and they're going to come and they're going to bow down to you, and you're going to be greater than your brother, and all of your mother's children are going to bow down to you and those who bless you will be blessed, and those who curse you will be cursed. And between you and me, this is cause and effect. The nation that has what to offer is going to be grander, or I'll say it the other way, the nation that's starving is gonna become subservient to the one who has all the grain and has all the wine and has all the fat of the land. We saw it in Egypt. We came and we bowed and we prostrated ourselves before the viceroy. We didn't know it was Yosef, but it was. I'm just saying that if you read this blessing in its context and you read it and say, hey, wait a minute. What did I think Esav was supposed to get if we want to believe that this was intended for Esav? What Esav was going to get was only the worldly, mortal, Typical Near East blessing, the blessing of wealth. And that's what the Bechor would normally get. He would get the wealth and he would be the one who would be able to, in the absence of the father, sustain the mother and the other children. So it's not the craziest blessing. I want you to notice there's no mention of a successor. There's no mention of inheriting the land. There's no historical perspective. You, my son, whose grandfather is Abraham, you don't see any of that here. There's no religious perspective here either. All we see is property and material abundance. And guess what? In fairness, Esav was suited for this role to take control. and. Sustained the family. He used to bring food all the time. He was the one who went on all the shop right errands He was the one who brought the food in every day. So it made sense but know this for us this blessing has the name Elohim and We can talk about that in contrast to the next blessing the next blessing is the one that he's going to receive before he gets sent off to Haran, but before we send him just know this as well esav does get a blessing and his blessing is Hineh, looking for on Pedic 27 verse 39 Yitzchak says, Hine mishmane ye said, you're going to have all the shemen. You're going to have all the oil. Your blessing is actually going to come from the bottom up, from the mishmane haaretz. If you just looked carefully, Yaakov's blessing is going to come from where? It's going to come from the heaven to the earth. Esav's blessing is going to go from the earth to the heaven, and what he's going to get first is the oil. And then it says, "Al You're going to live by the sword. This is your life. This is who you are. So if we want to just accept the way the world was designed, where Esav is going to have the oil and the swords, we also should accept et achicha Taavod. He's going to be subservient to his brother. And this is a uh, uh, very important piece to the story. Hayak ha'asher tarid ta'ulo me'al Yes, you are going to have the yoke. Of your brother around your neck and then these words are scary you can read them Hayak asher tarid it'll be either when you will uh, become lowered tarid like red like to go down when you will come to a point where you will become so debased that you will just want to take this yoke, you won't want to be subservient to your brother. We're sort of seeing that right now. But we could also say, that one nation is strengthened from the other and tarid, lech, or red, red could be to govern, to rule. And when you become a ruler, when you take control, when you are and you're going to see this, God willing, the Arab countries who decide that they want to get a grip and they want to rule with, in, with integrity, those are the ones. If you're going to be an act like a governor and like a king and like a ruler, then the yoke that your brother has around your neck will cease to be. Both of these readings uh, allow themselves depending on what era we're living in. But by the end, Vivka says, "Katzti bechayai. She comes to her husband Yitzchak and says, I can't take it, not one more minute. These binot these women, these Canaanite women that Esav took, I can't handle them. And God forbid Yaakov should take an ishami binot chet, a wife from chet ka'ele, like these, I won't be able to take not a single breath more. And here is the second blessing that Yitzchak gives Yaakov. This is where I want to spend most of my time today. I'll just tell you in case we don't get to the third blessing. The third blessing is in next week's perasha. It's the blessing that Yaakov receives from God himself. So just to be clear, the first blessing he receives while he is disguised the second blessing which is this one which is the one I want to focus on today he receives as Yaakov as the Yaakov whose father is already aware of the deception so you're not going to get any more of a genuine uh, open door open open beracha than this one. This is everything is clear and transparent. And in this perasha, his father blesses him first and he says make sure you don't take a wife from Binot Kena'an. I'm in Perek 28 verse 2. He says left Padanaram go to Padan Padanaram the house of Betuel the father of your mother and take from there a wife from the daughters of Lavan, the sister of your mother. Go to uncle Lavan in Charan and get a wife from there. There's a cute piece, I don't know if you guys saw it, that was circulating on the internet, that this is the week that Rivka tells her son, go to the house of Lavan, and they interpreted Lavan as white, go to the White House, and they feel like that's also a living of Torah. Everything is in here if you just look closely enough. But here's where I wanted you to see, to come, it's it's a happy place, because this Beracha uses this name for God, Ve'el Shaddai Yevarech odcha. So the first beracha was Elokim is going to bless you and that we said the universal God you're going to get a universal blessing it's a mortal blessing it's about property and it's about uh, material abundance that was the first one but this one is different and that's why we need a different name for God. And so we're going to hear this name for God that's used as El Shaddai. And before we read one more minute of this pasuk, we're going to interrupt ourselves in the middle of a pasuk because we want to say, Why would Yitzchak, who knows the name Elokim, who knows the name Yudke Vavke, why would he choose this name, El Shaddai Yevarech Why would he say this? What prompts him to say this? And I'll just finish the pasuk and then we'll go back and say it It says, The blessing initially is talking about proliferation, about having many children. And it goes together with the introduction, which said, go to Lavan and get one of his daughters, marry her. So what's the next step after you marry her? Would be to have children. But in having the children, he's very clear to say, El Shaddai is going to bless you. And why does he use the name for God as El Shaddai? Where's the first place where this name appears This name of God appears first. It's the first time that it appears. It's in Pedic 17, in verse 1. Abraham is 90 years, all the way in Parashat Lech Lecha. He is 99 years. Hashem appears to him and he says, I am El Shaddai. And as El Shaddai, I am asking you, to do a Brit Milah. And so now here when Yitzhak is invoking the name of El Shaddai and of course after he does this Brit Milah who is going to be born? Yitzhak himself. Yitzhak says I am a product of this El Shaddai. I am this product because God told Abraham that He should do a Brit Milah, and right after that, he promises that Sada is going to have a child. So I'm calling on the God, the God who brought me into existence through asking Abraham to do a Brit Milah. A Brit Milah is a a symbolic expression that, Avraham is now removing a barrier, a physical barrier, that's allowing him to bring Yitzchak into existence. I'm calling on that God to bless you as well. And the way Avraham was blessed to have children, you too should be blessed. And notice that he doesn't take this children thing very lightly because his father couldn't have children. Or his mother, or his grandfather, or his grandmother. So Yitzhak's first blessing to him is to say, I want to invoke the name of El Shaddai, the one who told Abraham he would have children. That's where it, it comes in. And I want to make sure that I also give you the other promises that Abraham had received. This is called the Abrahamic blessing. You've heard it always the children and the land. This is it right here you should have many children and also I want you to inherit this land, the one that God had given to Abraham. So let's talk about this for a minute because El Shaddai today I'd like to suggest is alive and well. And what do I mean by that? This name for God is being invoked this week. It was introduced in Parashat Lech Lecha. In Parashat Lech Lecha, it was introduced to express an improbability. It was introduced to express that Abraham at 99 and Sarah at 90 and barren. And wombless was going to have a child and this name for God that was introduced there let's make no mistake about it kept his word and Abraham and Sarah do have a child and now in having the child the next that very child is gonna make a blessing to his child and say El Shaddai you promised And so continue that promise through my son Yaakov. And guess what? The promise doesn't just get, go through Yaakov from his father. The next time we see this name of El Shaddai is gonna be in Pedic 35, verse 11. And this very name that is used here is going to say and when is it just to give you in case you don't have a kumash with you and I dropped the pin too quick this is after the um, the struggle this is give me one second this is when God is telling him to go to Bethel and he tells him I'll go to verse 9 he says when he comes from Padan Aram, he blesses him and he says, Your name is no longer going to be Yaakov. It's going to be Yis- Yisrael. is going to be your name. And he calls him Yisrael. And then Hashem tells him, Elohim tells him, El Shaddai. I just want to be clear about one thing. In case you thought that Yitzchak blessed Yaakov with the blessing of El Shaddai, when Yaakov gets a new name and the new name is Yisrael, who blesses him with the name El Shaddai? El Shaddai himself. To show that there's a continuation of this blessing. And the blessing is the same. You will be fruitful, you will be many, kings will come from you, and this land is your land. This land belongs to you through Abraham and through Yitzchak. Make sure that we read this with this knowledge, this sensitivity, or maybe even better, this assurance that what God had promised then is alive and well today. And I say this, I I think it's very important, because we keep encountering this name El Shaddai. We should know that it appears seven times in Tanakh. And after it appears in these three times that I showed you, Yaakov calls on El Shaddai when he sends down Benjamin, that El Shaddai should protect him. And then he calls out in the name of El Shaddai when he's gonna bless Ephraim and Menashe. And then it starts to get very interesting because we go all the way to the book of Shemot and we go to Padrech 6 and we go to verse 1. And sure enough, and this is for us, in case you thought for one second that El Shaddai, the one who made these promises to us, is God forbid Yanumi wo Yishaning, which Hine lo Yanum velo Yishan. What happens? Vaera, in all the way in the book of Shemot, Pedic 6, verse 3. Vaera el Avraham el Yitzchak ve el Yaakov be el Shaddai. What is he saying? I am el Shaddai. I am with you in every single step i'm with you in the brit milah i'm with you in the marriage i'm with you when you succeed fighting your brothers i'm with you when you're in israel and your children are out of israel i am with you when i'm in mitzrayim with your children to bless you i am with you in the book of shemot and i took you there because i want to save the last occurrence of this name el shaddai for God because I think it is something absolutely beyond our scope and we have to bring it into our scope of comprehension. And that is this, God is going to do these magnificent miracles, and I'm using the name of El Shaddai. I'm not using this name, I'm sorry. The Torah is bringing this name in the commentaries are a little bit struggling, Shaddai, maybe they they separate the word that means it is enough. Or I, I, I'm, I'm grappling with being able to interpret these words, El Shaddai, just through the word itself. But the context of what El Shaddai represents is that in the face of improbability, the place where you say die, and what I mean by die means when we tell our minds, stop being a dreamer, stop imagining that it's going to all be okay, it's not going to be okay, it can't be okay, at the point where reality, I'm saying that in a uh, I'll, I'll explain myself, where the reality of the situation would call for us to say, die, it's game over. I can't come up with a happy ending. I can't write the script in which there's going to be this orah v'simcha. Die, I'm done for, I'm finished. That's where El Shaddai comes in and he says, "Die! What are you, nuts? Let me paint a little picture for you. Do you remember Yosef? Do you remember he was in a God-forsaken tunnel underground which nobody ever expected him to see the light of day again? How about before he went into that tunnel, he was in another hole in the ground that his own brothers threw him into? How do you expect the mental state of yourself to be after his own brothers throw him in a pit, he gets falsely accused, gets thrown in a jail, is left and all and forgotten for? Raise your hand if at that point anybody had any hope for the survival of Yosef to return to his family, let alone, not only physically, but with all his mental capacities. This has happened before. We have it here. We have it in our Sefer. God is telling us, Shaddai, there's never we want to say, die Hashem, enough for the tzarot, enough of the crying, enough of the pain, enough of the torture. And when we say, die let tzarotenu, you know what? God comes in and he says, I got you. because I'm the El Shaddai. I'm the one who responds to the die. But I only respond to the die, and this is so important for us today, is that we have to believe. That we and our thoughts and our actions are a living, breathing entity that gets mirrored in the heavens. So, when we're gonna embody and we're going to demonstrate what the Jews looked like crossing the sea and singing, and we're gonna demonstrate to God what we look like when. Every one of our Yosefs is underground and unaccounted for. When we're gonna show God and say, I know you could do it, you're the El Shaddai, you're the one that makes all of those improbable things happen, and then they're gonna come out. We have to have this guided imagery in our brain because it exists. We're not madmen. And no, I'm not crazy. I'm not a crazy person. I'm a Torah reader that sees that this has happened. This has happened, and El Shaddai is promising us that it will happen again. Are we children of Abraham, of Yitzchak, and of Yaakov? That you have no problem answering. An unequivocal yes. And now I'm gonna ask you the hard question. Are we the children of our forefathers that believe in the promises? Are we the children who believe that in the world of El Shaddai, that he can and will come in, and he will swoop us up, and he will defy the odds, and the hostages will come out and say, thank you, Magen david adom, but we're okay. Thank you, we don't have PTSD we're going to come out and we're going to sing and we're going to appreciate the life that we've been gi- we've been given and we're going to live it with light and sason and simcha could we why is that so hard to imagine if god is telling it to us but guess what i didn't give you and maybe you need this like i saw right and when you see this then maybe you'll come on board and say god I, I believe it with every shred and ounce of my body because I didn't tell you what the seventh El Shaddai is. You know what the seventh El Shaddai is? You could cry, it's so beautiful. It's all the way in Sefer Yechezkel. It's in Perik 10. Boy, do I wish this was our haftarah. We have a beautiful haftarah. I may reference it as well if I have a minute at the end. But for now... You know what the vision of Yechezkel was? The vision of the chariots and the vision of the keruvim and the vision of the kiseh, the special chariot of God that had the four figures, a human, a lion, an eagle, and the actual cherub. And this vision shows it on wheels. And it shows the Shechinah, the Kavod Hashem, on the habayit, And the whole space is filled with the Anan. And the Chatzed is filled with Kavod Hashem. Do you know what's taking place in this vision that um, Yechezkel is able to see? He sees God's presence, and he sees it in the most unusual way. We could hear the sound of the wings of the Keruvim. Your and we and all of us and the world is going to hear the wings of the Keruvim even all the way to the outskirts, to every corner of the world. And you know what it's going to sound like? Kikol El Shaddai. This is the voice of El Shaddai. The one that's able to go into the tunnels, the one who's able to go into the dark places, the one who's able to go into the spaces that we can't imagine. And it describes it as going in with Wheels again. I don't know if the kanfen of Mashiach, we're actually going to be hanging on to the necks of eagles, or if it means airplanes. I don't know. I, I don't claim to know. But I will say this. I heard something beautiful. I heard one of the soldiers saying when he dresses in his tzahal uniform, he channels in as if he's wearing bigdeh kehuna, and he channels in this feeling that he is doing the avoda of Hashem and that the Shekhinah is ever present with him. We who aren't in the front lines, who have the luxury to put two thoughts together in our head, we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to them to believe that these wheels on this chariot that's carrying K'vod Hashem, that is able to totally change every physical aspect in this world, and that's able to bring the light into being. We owe it. We owe it to the hostages. We owe it to the tzahal. We owe it to Hashem, and we owe it to ourselves to have this vision clear in our minds let us imagine that this, everything that you see, that Yosef comes out of the tunnel and he's sitting on the throne and the whole world respects him and comes to him and he's the one who's controlling the food. That was the blessing. That was the blessing of abundance. And then we're gonna have children and we're gonna inherit the land and we're gonna look underneath the dry, the dryness and we're going to find Mayim Chaim, we're going to find so much life and so much sustenance. Let us live the Torah. Let us merit to see the El Shaddai coming to fulfillment and then God willing next week, i sorry, I didn't have enough time, but let us see that the God who's going to bless Yaakov next week, the Sulam ladder, that's going to be the Yud Vavke God and he's going to show us exactly how it's done. I pray that by the time we get to next week and we're able to read Parashat Vayetze, we're going to be doing it in celebration, and I'm going to tell every single one of you, and you're going to tell every single person, I told you so, I knew it, I believed it, El Shaddai is still operating in our physical world every single day. And El Shaddai, I don't know how. I don't know if it's wings, if it's chariots, if it's eagles, if it's wheels, if it's lightness, if there's water tunnel, I don't know. I don't know, I'll be the first to say, I don't think anybody could even imagine, and that's the best part of it. The beauty of it is, I don't know how it's gonna happen. But I know for certain that El Shaddai said it's going to happen, that Yud Kevavke said it's going to happen, and so I believe that it is going to happen. And it's partially our bringing and mirroring in this, not possibility, but this probability. That's it. We have to now take it and... It's Kislev, we have to leave the darkness behind, and leave the depression behind, and leave all those worst case scenarios behind, and leave all those horrible images behind, and only channel and bring orah, and bring light, and bring positivity, and bring happiness, and we have to sing today with the intention that they are going to sing tomorrow. And that's my hope, and that's my prayer, but most importantly, that's my belief. So I thank you all for allowing me to share um, this with you, and I hope and pray that we do all merit to be witnesses to this grand, magnificent Yeshua that's going to be forthcoming very, very soon. Hashem. Amen. Thank you very much for special <laughs> ladies.